just met someone and the conversation leads to the inevitable question. So, what do you do? A simple question calls for a simple answer. But what if your answer is never simple? What if your answer defies the societal norms? What does career happiness mean to you? This show dives into convention-breaking career choices, uncovering narratives of working professionals, and creating a space for those who wish to pursue their passions. This is So What Do You Do? Hey guys! Welcome back to So What Do You Do? Today in the studio, we have Paul Liberty. Hey. So, Paul, what do you do? Well, as I sit here, I, excuse me, I have my dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's a bee here. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hello. Oh, my <laughs> hey, Fred. God. That hey, was Fred. amazing. It's Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> and, uh, um, hey, Uncle Kermit, it's Robin the Frog. Hi, Uncle Kermit the Frog here. And, uh, Ash, it's Professor Elm. Uh, we have to get the new Pokemon. <laughs> I am a voice actor. That was amazing! <laughs> I, I, get to, uh, I get to be a kid every day, and I get to play every day. I work for Nickelodeon and PBS, and I get to work in children's apps. I get to do all kinds of things, which I really love. That's what I do every day. I also narrate audiobooks, children's books, and I get to direct audiobooks as well. I also work with Audible and a group called Author Direct Audio, which we actually direct authors in their audiobook reads because they're not actors, and I have to train them to do what they do. So I do lots of things. Every day is different for me. I never know what I'm going to do next. It's a pretty exciting life, actually. I'm still (laughs) completely in awe of seeing a genius at work. Oh, please. No, 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 please. Well, first of all, while we sit here, I have to make you do puppets. So you have to hold one hand up. Okay. Your okay. knuckles are the eyes, mm-hmm. and now I need you to say hello. Hello. Now you just had your first Muppet lesson. How are you? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That yeah. was so cool. So now you're a puppeteer. Oh, that's amazing. amazing. I got to work on Sesame Street. I got to work with Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to dance all over the country. I did a chorus line for 10 years. I worked with Byrick Lee, and I worked you know, under Michael Bennett. I toured with 42nd Street. I'm also a pianist. Something else you don't know about me, I also work at Equinox Fitness Clubs in New York City, which are the best clubs in the city. And I teach Pilates. I teach dance. I teach bar. As an actor and as a voice actor, we are also athletes, we're also musicians, we're dancers, and everything that we do is all connected to music. So I feel like everything that I do in life is is music. And when I teach voiceover, I teach in terms of music. We don't speak in words, we speak in phrases. We speak in in accents and, and rhythm and tempo and changing of pitches and changing of tempo. So it's all music. What are three adjectives you would use to describe yourself? Oh, my. What an interesting question. I think the first that comes to mind is teacher. I feel like I'm a teacher in life. I think that some of us are blessed to give, and I feel like part of my life is giving to others generously. And as an actor, I think we must give of ourselves generously. Not every actor likes to do that. They like to hold back because they think they'll lose part of themselves. But the truth is, the more you give, the more you get back, truly. Mm. So generosity, I think, is a good word for me, teacher generosity. I hope kindness <laughs> is in there too. So just to get back into kind of voiceover acting, how did you yeah. get your start in that industry? 
I started out like everybody watching Sesame Street and falling in love with those Muppets and falling in love with Oscar the Grouch and Big Bird, knowing that one day I would be there. My friend Susan and I would go home and we'd watch Sesame Street. And I knew one day I would work with Jim Henson. I knew that was going to happen, and I made it happen. By the time I was, you know, 18, I was working at Sesame Place, and I was finding a way to get to Jim Henson. And I became a dance captain at Sesame Place, and he lived in Bucks County. So I got to know his kids, and I got to know Jane Henson. And Jane Henson brought me in. I was touring with The Muppet Show on tour, which was a tour that went around, and The Muppet Babies. I was Baby Gonzo. <laughs> I got to cover all the short Muppets, including Kermit. And to have Jim Henson turn to you and say, I love your Kermit. He's really good. You know, in yeah. a full body puppet. Because a hand moves like this, but a body puppet can't do that because it'd break your neck. So you have to find ways as a dancer to move those big, huge puppets on stage. And he said, would you like to come in and work with me at the Carriage House, which is on East 69th Street? So I came in and I started workshopping body puppets for him and working with hand puppets. And we were working on Sesame Street on a character named Baby Snuffleupagus. And it became Baby Alice. He said, how does this puppet move? And what do you need inside the puppet? And he'd say, okay, what can you do? Can you roll in this? And, you know, he'd bring in different puppets and say, okay, what do you need inside here? And so I would workshop puppets for him directly. So I got to really know him personally and learn from him. And I feel like to this day he's still a teacher in my life and always will be. And I've had some amazing teachers in my life. But one of the greatest is, is Jim. And when he died in 1990, I was still working with him. He said to me just before he died, he said, I'm working on a new project. I was upset because he gave Baby Snuffleupagus to a, a female puppeteer, J Judy Slatke, lovely puppeteer. And uh, I said, you know, I thought this was mine. And he said, no, nope, I have another puppet in mind for you. And he said, be patient, it's coming. And a few months later, he died. And it broke my heart because I thought, oh, you know, what didn't happen? And the truth was that everything happened. And I still dream of Jim every so often. And I'll, he'll come to me in a dream and he'll say, you know, I have this puppet project for you. And here it is. And I'll look behind and there's this beautiful, incredible project. And I'll walk in and we'll start working on something. And it's just kind of marker in my life that, you know, that there's always something new coming. And whenever I have one of those Jim Henson dreams, I know that it just means there's a new journey in my life and a new door opening in my life and he's still one of my favorite teachers in my life and I've had many so it's been very exciting. That's so inspiring <laughs> yeah. especially getting to work with someone who revolutionized children's programming. Oh truly. Yeah. truly. Oh, and what's interesting about Jim Henson was he was not the most talented puppeteer. Mm -hmm. He was not the most talented actor but he surrounded himself with those that were wow. and including a man named Frank Oz who was Miss Piggy and Grover and, mm -hmm. and Cookie Monster. And he learned a lot from Frank mm -hmm. and from Jane, his wife. And they all kind of grew together. And he surrounded himself with other actors, like Richard Hunt and Dave mm -hmm. Goles and, and John Stone and some wonderful writers. And he always learned and was inspired by the people around him. And he didn't say, you do this and you do that. He'd say, you do what you do. Here's a puppet. See how this sounds. And try this puppet on and what does this sound like? And so it was always very inspiring to be around him because he inspired us to be ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what was so exciting about his teaching. Wow. And that's what I try and do today as yeah. I teach as well. Wow. I just think it's so beautiful for someone to have such a legacy, even after they've passed, to have such a huge and deep 
profound impact on people. On all our lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All our lives to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I was just telling Paul before the interview, I did a project on Jim Henson. So to hear an inside perspective of actually working with him, that's incredible. What would you say is the most valuable advice you got from him? I think one of the best lessons I ever learned was that somebody else's success is not your failure. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in this business, you know, you see, well, this one got this many lines and I got this and why didn't I get this role and I was up for this role. And the success of the people around you is your success as well. You inspired them to do what they do, and their success feeds back to you. So I think it's really feeling that where you are is the right place. Who you are is perfect. Mm -hmm. There's no wrong. And that you just keep following your journey, and you will find where you need to be. And the right people will be there. That's really, really great advice. Yeah, And and surround yourself with the best people you can Mm -hmm. in whatever you want to do. Keep surrounding yourself and always strive for the top. Mm. You know, I, I don't teach in small schools out in you know, New Jersey. Not that that's a bad thing. I focus on being at Steps. I teach at Broadway Dance Center occasionally. Mm-hmm. And I work at Equinox and I work for the Muppets. I, work, I choose to work for the best because that's where my focus and energy needs to be. And it pushes you forward. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of, you've been in so many roles that are so iconic and huge. <laughs> Just to name a few, you've worked for you know animation voiceover series like yeah. Pokemon, Blue's Clues, Sesame Street. Yeah. But also, you've done a lot of dialect coaching for Broadway, oh, yeah. for film, film, for TV. TV. So that I fell into. I had no <laughs> intention of teaching accents to actors. <laughs> but I kind of had to do it as I was doing video games. Mm. And I had to play the Russian characters. And, and you know, I had to play strange characters and... And strange accents. And I also got to live in Texas for a while. So I learned how to do really good Texas accent. Mm, it's singing so long. You know what I'm saying? I lived in Nashville. I actually sang backup at the Opry for a while. I worked at Opryland. That was a theme park that was in Nashville, Tennessee, which was an extraordinary experience because I got to work with Lee Greenwood and Dolly Parton and Minnie Pearl and the Mandrell sisters and so many wonderful, wonderful country artists that I would have never even thought about working with, and there they were in my life. It's amazing what doors open when you just go forward. With yeah. all this diverse kind of career experience, what does a day in your life look like? Oh, my. I, every day is different, and I never know. I, I audition every day of my life, and I like that. I like going to bed and falling down at night exhausted. If I haven't done that, I, I haven't had a successful day. And I feel like I'm always constantly under timelines and pressure to do my work and I work best under pressure and I'm happiest under that. When I was doing musical theater, I did chorus line for about 10 years and I worked with a wonderful, wonderful director and I was always the understudy. I was always the swing, the standby. And when somebody was out, I would go to the theater and say, tonight you're Paul. Okay, tonight you're Mike. Okay, you're going on as Larry. I loved that because I never knew I was going to be till I got to the theater. And I love the challenge of that. So it just pushes you to keep growing and finding who you are. It's, it's really exciting. I'm also working with CuriousGeorge.com right now, and I'm the voice of, of George. <laughs> and I get to play the man in the yellow hat as well. If you go there, you hear me say, let's help George. George! And it's wonderful because I also get to work after other brilliant actors have done it. Frank Welker does the PBS version. I do the website. I do the, the uh, Curious George, which is an award-winning site by the publishers, Harcourt Mifflin, who publish Curious George. So it's a little more ornery, and he's a little more like the books. P- PBS is a little watered down, and Frank is so great. He's so wonderful. Wow. 
can I say every time you do a voice, it shocks me every time and yeah. it, it, it oh, amazes here's, me. Here's one that'll <laughs> make you crazy. I'm also Professor Elm, the original Professor Elm on Pokemon. Oh, my brother mm. loves Pokemon. Ash, I, you must, uh, you, I gotta, I need to call, I need to talk to you. Can you call me right away? It's oh, uh, this yeah. is so much fun. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Do you yes. have a moment in your career where you thought that this was the highlight of your job? Oh my. I think every moment is is a highlight. And I think the highlight of my career will be my next moment. Mm. I think it's coming. And I think I've had such extraordinary moments. You know, every time I say my name as a slate, I take a journey of all the incredible successes I have in my life. And I encourage my students to do the same. To not just say, slate, Paula Birdie, when you do a take, you... You think of all the incredible things in your life and you say, Paul Liberty. And love being who that is and taking that journey every day and being inspired by myself and to inspire others. That's really my hope mm-hmm. every day, too. Yeah. So you've mentioned that teaching is really a big part of your life. What does the process for someone to become a voice actor look like? And oh, wow. How do you see that different from your own journey becoming a voiceover actor? I like to tell them all my mistakes because then I say, I don't want you to make these mistakes. It's not the fastest teacher by learning through experience. It's the slowest and learn from other people's mistakes. So I tell them the things that I did wrong and I also help them to find technical skills. You start with talent, but then the technical skills that you have are what make you the actor, the dancer, the musician, the performer that you are, like a pianist. You don't just wake up and you're a pianist. Mm. You have to study, you have to work at it, and you learn your instrument. And I think the same is true with a voice actor. You have to learn what you're capable of. When I was a young kid, I used to talk up here and kids made fun of me. They said, you sound like a cartoon. And I was talking from a head voice. I didn't know that I had this sound down here. So I like to teach music to my to my voice actors and teach them how to talk from your diaphragm and I can do transformers and I can do you know grand theft auto I can do all kinds of crazy sounds that you wouldn't expect come out of me everybody thinks I have these high quirky sounds but I do lots of strange sounds too. Yes. <laughs> That's so cool. Yes. <laughs> and when you engage with people outside of the voice acting industry yeah. how do they typically react when you tell them that you're a voice actor? I don't usually tell them. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> I like being anonymous a little bit. Mm. I like people not knowing who I am. I'm in the movie Stepford Wise. I'm a Stepford husband. I've done some film work. Uh, I worked on The Daily Show. I've done some television. And I have I was the New Jersey lottery guy. I was a Lotsey man in the late 90s. And my face was everywhere. And for a while, I flirted with a little bit being a celebrity and, and being in theater. And I actually don't like that. I like the process of creation, mm-hmm. but having people come up, like I've done those conventions, the uh, Comic-Cons and the E3s, and young kids will come up and hold you and cry and weep and go, you're my childhood. And I go, no, I'm a voice actor. <laughs> but, you know, you realize how many lives you do touch yeah. and how much of a comfort you are to so many people, mm-hmm. too. So when I choose to tell them who I am, it's, it's always pretty baffling. Kids don't get it. You know, you go, I was, you grew up with me as blue on blue school, you know, you know, and I was, I was the promo blue, Tracy Johnson, Tracy Page Johnson, who created it, was an artist. And uh, so I got to do a puppet version of blue and a live puppet version it was a cartoon. We could actually go live television and I could actually, you know, puppet blue live. We did, you know, the Rosie O'Donnell show and we did, you know, the Di Marie show and we did the Today Show live with Steve Burns with the puppet. And it was really really cool. Once I leave, I love walking down the street. I teach a class. It's incredible. The actors are loving me. I leave. 
I love walking down the street and being anonymous, that people just don't know who I am. And I love that because I don't know who they are. And I think what an extraordinary people are around me that I don't even know. Mm -hmm. So I like to see everybody as these extraordinary creative people around me. And, you know, who live, I live a creative life. I live to satisfy that life. And I think that that doesn't come from ego, your creative life. You have to satisfy that because of a divine intervention to satisfy your soul. Mm-hmm. I don't do what I do because I like it. I do it because I have to every day. I get up, I play Chopin, and that starts my day. I have a Steinway in my, in my living room, a grand piano. And then I, I work out and I do with my auditions for the day. And if I have a booking or I have to go teach a class, I go do that. And I love the diversity of my life. Mm-hmm. I never work nine to five. I never really thought of it that way. Something as simplistic as your voice can impact so many people's lives. You're both doing the same thing every time you go to the radio. You're inspiring <laughs> so many. Truly, oh, it's true. So that's so sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Do you think there are any misconceptions about the voice actor industry? Well, it's interesting because a lot of times I think people will say, oh, you're so-and-so or you're, you're Barney Rubble or you're, you know, and I'll think, I'm not Barney Rubble. Mm. I'm the voice, but it's a combination of what an artist does and what I do. And I have to take the picture they draw and put the eyes on my eyes and put the nose on my nose and feel the mouth. And maybe one eye's bigger than the other. Mm. And then I start to talk. And then because of that collaboration of the artist and the voice actor, it creates the character. But I don't think of myself as those characters. I think of myself as part of those characters. Mm. I think putting the same level of effort in terms of theater when you're showing your whole like physique as well as putting your voice, I think it takes the same amount of effort and training. Right? Oh, yeah. truly. That's, I, I never thought about that. Oh, that and as, yeah. as voice actors, a lot of voice actors tend to talk like this and they don't move and you hear it in their voice. <laughs> yeah. But when I teach, I make sure that they're moving, they're shrugging, mm. they can, their eyes change. If I have to play 12 years old, my eyes have to change. I have to see the world differently. There's the color blue. It looks so beautiful, you know, and I have to mm. see the world through my own 12-year-old eyes. Yeah. And remember, what was I doing when I was 12? Okay, what, <laughs> who was my best friend? And what did I wear? What shoes did I wear every day? And what color shirt did I wear? Oh, I loved the yellow shirt, and I had those sneakers, yeah. You have to just travel within yourself mm-hmm. to find what you need because it's always with you. Your yeah. Rolodex of people in life. It's always part of your process. Wow, this interview is truly a master class with Paul Liberty. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it feels yeah. like I learned so much. Oh, wow. Very yeah. cool. I'd love for you to come to do some voice acting. Come <laughs> to class. We would time. love to. Come yes. sit in and see Honestly. what we do. You'd love an animation class. Tonight I'm doing a promo class where we have live to tape ADR, where they have like Chicago Fire and they have to match coming up Chicago Fire on NBC. And they have to match it all to tape. And uh, it's very exciting. And then I do a video game class. I have to teach them how to safely scream, how to safely climb a ladder or climb a mountain. And you do it with what we call a glottal stop. Say, uh-oh. Uh-oh. What you just did is, is a glottal stop. Uh-oh, where the throat closes. And if you think of the vocal cords as two muscles, when they separate, that is your glottis. When you scream, you want to keep the glottis closed. So if I did, huh, uh, Ah, you're screaming or you're making sound with the glottis closed. If I yell, ah, I'm going to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. But if I close the glottis and do, ah, 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 I can make some pretty loud noises and the glottis is closed and I'm not going to hurt myself. Wow. And I have to support that from the breath, from the diaphragm, and then you're safely working and you have to know how to treat your instrument. Like you're mm-hmm. playing a violin, mm-hmm. or you know, you don't just pick it up and throw it down. You've got to put it in the case and take care of it and take the dust off of it. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing with your voice. You have to, in your body, 
We're athletes. We're musicians, and we're magicians. We create magic out of nothing. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Really connecting every single part of your body yeah. to produce Truly. a voice that's like iconic. And puppet work is, you know, it's it's choreography. You mm. know, where are you looking? Where's the vision? You're connecting to that entity. It's not about me watching somebody else. I'm watching myself in that energy mm. on a monitor. That's so cool. I know yeah. you talked a lot about the taking on roles and like the actor and artist intersection. But when you voice iconic characters, when you take on these roles like Curious George and the man in the yellow hat, what is it like taking on these characters that people already know and love? And what is your process in wow. bringing them to life and maybe putting your spin on it? I think it's an honor. When I did Barney Rubble for the Fruity Pebbles commercials, I was always aware that Mel Blanc started it. I didn't go around going, I'm Barney Rubble, because I'm not. Mel Blanc started it, and I had the honor of stepping behind that. And there's a couple versions of Barney Rubble. Yeah, Dawes Butler also played him like this, but Mel Blanc, uh, hey, Fred, <laughs> it's Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> hey, it's my Fruity Pebbles. You know, and when I create that, I think of Mel Blanc's sound. I find that, and then I find myself in it. I can't just do the sound like this. I have to suddenly put myself in and go, hey, that's mine. I need that. And, and it just so happens I'm doing it in Barney's voice. <laughs> hey, Fred, that's my Fruity Pebbles. So I'm in there, but I'm also connecting to the original version and the original sound of it. But always underneath it is myself and always a sense of love. There's always a sense of what does this character love? What is? A lot of actors think about, oh, what's my motivation? What do I need? I think deeper. I think it's, what do I love? And I think every character loves something, even an antagonist character, a negative character who is an evil character. He doesn't think of himself as evil or she. Mm -hmm. they, they think of themselves as, I'm fine. They're, the rest of the world is wrong. And you have to play it that way as a real person. You know, we love the Corella de Vils and we love the Ursula the Sea Witches and getting inside that. So when you play an evil character, you don't play it as mean and nasty. You play it as delicious. <laughs> oh, oh, dear boy. Oh, I love you so much. Oh, am I causing you harm? I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, and you just, you know, you play it deliciously and savory. And then we identify ourselves in that character. Because you identify that character needs something and loves something. That's how I bring characters to life. It's mm -hmm. what do they love? Mm -hmm. Head, heart, and body have to connect. And once you find that, then you create a well-rounded character. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a particular character that stuck out to you the most, or is your favorite? Oh, my gosh. I played a lot. And, in fact, there was, remember Barney? Remember the big purple dinosaur? Yeah. There, were, there was one point they were going to replace him, and the actor who was doing it was going to leave. And so they auditioned three of us, and there was a guy from Colorado, one from L.A., and myself. They flew us out to Dallas. They liked what we did, but they said there's something in what you do in that you bring that sense of love into the character. Because most people would try and do... <laughs> hey, it's Barney. But I would do, um, <laughs> hello again to all my friends. I'm glad you came to play. And I would bring the sense of really loving who I was talking to and picture who I physically, in my mind, was talking to. And I actually didn't end up getting that character, but I learned from that process that you must really visualize who you're talking to when you're on a microphone. And you must connect to someone in your mind, one person. I learned that at the piano, when you play the piano. You're playing for one person, not a group, not 16 people, not Carnegie Hall. You're playing for that one person in the front row, and you're connecting to that, that storytelling. Because I think that's what we are as, as actors and as voice actors, is storytellers. Mm. And that's, that's what we love to do every day is tell stories. We get on the phone, call mom, you tell a story. Call your friends, oh, i got to tell you what happened today. 
We're storytellers. I think yeah. that's innately in all of us. Truly. <laughs> Do you ever call your friends and prank them as a different person? All the time. I call my sister all the time. Yes. Uh, I talk like this all the time. I, oh, I love when, when I get um, all the telemarketers calling. <laughs> Hello, you call me? What do you want? And I love to make them crazy. Um, I usually try and let them in on it by the end of it. But I, lo I do that all the time. I call my sister. As these strange characters. I want to call you. I need your help. <laughs> and she's like, who is this? It's me. You know. So, yeah, I drive my sister insane. But, yeah, I love that. I love to. Oh, and when I teach accents, unfortunately, like I've been teaching Italian accent. So it sticks with you. Mm. So you go, you leave the classroom, and you go home talking like this. So it's, 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 it's really interesting how. And my favorite is calling my mother is Leslie Howard. Uh, hello, mother. It's Leslie Howard. How are you? <laughs> yes, I, I called because I, I have a problem today, and I just want to talk to you. Is that okay? And she'll go, hello, Leslie. <laughs> My mom gets it. So, yeah, <laughs> I do it all the time. I, I like to listen to actual people speaking the language. If, say, it's German, I want to hear a German speaker. I want to be very specific in the area they're in. Mm -hmm. And then I want to hear actors trying to do the German accent. I love the German accent because it sounds very good and it's about the attitude. Mm. We listen to your music. Your music doesn't say much to us. So we don't listen to it. We listen to our own. I love doing different kinds of accents. Mm. And people think of a German accent as you know, very hard and strong sounding. But sometimes I like to do a Munich accent, which is a little different, you know. Mm. So yeah. you know, it's finding literally what region are you in, what town are you in, mm. and all the regionalisms that go with an accent are really important, too. Yeah, I can't imagine how your brain, like, compartmentalizes all yeah. these, like, schemas. Like, somehow, <laughs> like, takes what you know and then translates it into what your <laughs> mouth is supposed to be it's doing. It's like music, though. You listen to music, and you're absorbing so much mm. at once, and you just let it flow. Mm. It's mm. like water, and you just... And then you take it apart, you know, and you see it in phrases, and you... Break it down to its barest minimal form, and you make sense out of it, mm. really. Yeah. What do you find so exciting, I guess, about voiceovers? And in the age of digital, why do you think this industry is still so popular? Oh, I think voice acting and voiceover is becoming more important now because it's how we're communicating a lot with the Internet, with YouTube, with streaming. I think more and more we're hearing more and more voices. I think it's never going to go away. And I don't think we'll ever, I, you know, I was listening to Google Voice, trying to sound like us. They'll never replicate what an actor can bring in the heart and the love and the joy that you can bring to a microphone, no matter what they do. So it's just really a matter of connecting to, to your work every day. Yeah, and you mentioned a little bit of this earlier, but what would you define as career happiness? Uh, what a great question. I think happiness is a choice, and I think love is a choice, and I think we choose to be happy every moment of every day. And I think happiness to me is embracing the things in your life that make you happy, satisfy your soul, that, that inspire you, and to step away from those that don't make you happy and to keep the things in your life that do make you happy. Mm -hmm. And when you keep embracing that part of your life, your life changes. Mm -hmm. You suddenly find yourself in wonderful relationships and wonderful situations and wonderful friendships and that's always what I strive to find is finding myself in there but also not losing myself too you know what advice would you have for someone who's maybe at a crossroads at what they want to do or striving to find that career happiness that you have another great question I think the best inspiration I can give you is to do what you love be inspired by those around you know that those around you are a reflection of who you are and if there's somebody in your life that is not necessarily 
who you are. Maybe you need to categorize what your time is with them, and they're still a part of your life, but surround yourself with people that love what they do and do what you love, and it will feed back, and you will inspire them. They will inspire you. It's what Jim Henson did. It's what Byrick Lee does. It's what so many... My, Luigi was one of my dance teachers, and I assisted him for years in class. And he just surrounded himself with people that loved what he loved. And it's this give-and-take exchange of, of creativity. Mm-hmm. And you live a creative life. I think continue to choose to be creative rather than to be conformity. Find yourself a creative person. You're a musician. You're a creative person. You're an actor every moment of every day. And I think everything inspires that. I think every moment of every day, find the creativity in what you're doing and let that inspire the work that you do, truly. That's really wise. I think that encapsulates the goal of our podcast because... Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. People from our culture, usually they would stray to conform to a successful career and we want to show them that they can do whatever they love to do if it's their passion and if they want to work hard for it. So thank you for sending that message to Absolutely. all of our listeners. Thank yeah. you for sharing that message <laughs> every d- every time you do one of these podcasts. Yeah. And do you have any upcoming projects that you would like to share with us? I'm working on Author Direct right now. I just got back from L.A., and I'm contemplating moving out there. Mm. I'm, I'm doing some more voice directing, which I really love in animation. I see myself as changing the way that we work with actors. A lot of actors, voice actors especially, are working by themselves now in a studio alone. I like the connection I get with actors, and I really want to go to L.A. at this time because I'm finding a lot of the animation that I'm hearing is a little flat, and it doesn't have a lot of heart. And I like to bring that back, and I want to kind of change the way that voice acting is heard. I'm doing that through audiobooks. A lot of people will read an audiobook, and they get this sing-song, like, I'm reading a book to you, and it's the most frustrating thing to hear someone read this way. Mm-hmm. It's you're answering questions in the text. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, what did your father tell you not to do? Not to kill a mockingbird by Harper Lee, read to you by Paula Birdie. My brother Jim had his arm broken at the elbow. You're telling a story. Mm. You're in the character. Those are your words. You're writing those words. You're the author's pen, and your voice is coming through as their pen, as they're writing the story. When you approach it that way, it changes everything, and you become a different actor. And I think the work I do as a voice actor and the teaching I do as a voice actor changes my actors even when they go back on camera. Mm. They're better on camera actors because they know how to get inside the text within themselves. Everything we need is within you right now. The wonderful inspiration. You know what's best for you. You know how to get there. You know how to find the right teachers in your life. Seek them out. Seek out the best teachers you can find Mm -hmm. because they will give you everything you need and you know when something feels wrong in your life. Mm -hmm. And you need to embrace that and understand that and heal from that, move on from that if you need to, and continue to find the best teachers and never stop learning. Ever, ever, ever. We Mm -hmm. learn every day. I learned from you guys, so. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we can't even explain Truly. how much we've learned from you. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that's so cool, just the universality of, like, a good story of having heart and soul and love. It's Truly. just something that I think in this day and age, there's so many polarizing opinions and mm-hmm. polarizing ideas being thrown around. But I think one thing that we can all agree on is just, like, the love in a story is something that really can just surpass all oh, and truly. take that story to the next level to just truly. really be something that resonates. Yeah. Wow. It's all about love. It's all about love and music. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, music is poetic love and, and poetic math a little bit. 
and it's all structured. And when you live within a parameter and you have you know, a playing field, you're free. You're not stuck. You're free to do so many things. I did some improv for a long time. I worked at Second City in Chicago. I worked at the Funny Firm here in, in New York City and uh, Chicago City Limits. And improv taught me that it's really about yes and everything you accept. You don't negate anything. Somebody tells you something, yes, and, and I've embraced that in my life. And it really changed me as a person by going, yes, and <laughs> it changes you. Thank you, Paul, so much for sitting down and sharing your story with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, can I just say real quick, on the way here, I got to go through, and I was just being inspired going through Washington Square Park mm. and going through that beautiful arch. And coming here to the studio, I just went, what a great inspiration and how I'm getting inspired just by being down here and being invited to do this today. So thank you so much. Oh, that was so nice. This has been so heartwarming. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> thank oh, you for doing what you do. Amazing. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. So where can our listeners find you if they want ah. to find out more about you? So a couple places. I'm on Facebook. Best place to find me if you're interested in voiceover, voiceover tune up, like a car tune up, voiceover tune up. And the rest of that is Paula Birdie's voiceover community. Mm -hmm. Ask to join that. Let me know why you want to join it. I don't join just anybody. But all my students around the country join it. I also teach for SAG-AFTRA Foundation, which is a wonderful foundation that assists actors that need help. Recently, we had fires in California, and SAG-AFTRA was right there to help actors that had lost their homes and those that weren't even actors, just helping people. And I get to travel the country for SAG-AFTRA Foundation teaching classes. I'm so lucky sharing with actors exactly what we're doing, talking about doing the best of what they have. And watching them grow, it's amazing. I teach at Actors Connection, so actorsconnection.com. Go to classes and then voiceover, and you'll find Paula Birdie there. Where else am I? Oh, I'm around. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Mostly on Facebook. Find me there. Okay. Thank you so much, Paul. So now it's time for The Debrief, where we discuss our own perspectives on the interview and apply some of our own experiences and background to the conversation. What did you think of that? That was so inspiring and so touching and moving and fun all at the same time. I really felt like I went on a journey with that interview, <laughs> yeah. you know? It was truly a masterclass with Paul Liberty, as we <laughs> said. He's literally the best, isn't he? I had the best He's time great. ever talking yeah. to him. Every time he would switch into a voice, I'd be like, where's the other person? At first, when he started doing the dog voices, I thought something went wrong with our audio. <laughs> like we accidentally inserted like a dog track or something, but he was just that good. Yeah. So did you have any takeaways or anything that struck out to you from his interview? I mean, so many. I think the first thing that struck me was just the impact that voice acting can have. I knew that there was a huge impact, you know, growing up myself with so many children's programs that were very impactful to me, but I don't think I realized the depth of it all. Like I mentioned in the interview, just the universality of love that really manifests itself so well in voice acting. I think that was the first thing that struck me. And of course, all his other advice when he talked about how someone else's success is not your failure. I think that's yeah. something that's so ingrained in our culture. And especially as college kids, we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. That's what we do, whether it be on social media, LinkedIn, mm. GPA, appearance, everything. And I think when he said that, it just struck a nerve with me because I know that I... I find my success in the comparison with other people, but yeah. I shouldn't. I should kind of like revel in the fact that I have successes in myself, even if they're not viewed as huge successes by others mm. or even if they are. 
I totally agree. I think it's basic human instinct to feel that way, but to have someone like Paul reassure us that that is not really the way to look at how you can succeed and improve on yourself in life, that's really comforting, I think. Another thing that really, I think, struck out to me was the whole story with Jim. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think the, you know, the relationship they had and the friendship they had, but also just the amazing lessons he's learned from Jim, how to surround yourself with the best people, how to always be the best in whatever you are. But especially that last story about the dream. Oh, I can't stop thinking about that. And how there's like a vision for him, you know, there's like a vision of some sort of unfulfilled promise that was kind of fulfilled in a way. That was so incredible. Just the legacy of Jim, but also the legacy of Paul and just... Oh, it was so beautiful and so touching. The dream that he mentioned about Jim Henson giving him a puppet to voice made me tear up so much. He mentioned that as a kid, he knew spot on that he wanted to work with Jim Henson, and he did. It just made me realize having these mentors are so special in life because they help you build yourself not only in terms of career, but also personal growth. So every time we talk to our interviewees, I feel like we have gained a new mentor every time. And every one of them has like such different perspectives on life and different advice that I feel like I would have gained tremendously from talking to all of these people who are experts in their field more than if I were staying and working in one job as a college student. So with Paul, I walked away from that truly, truly in awe. So true. So true. I think we're so blessed to be in a position where we can learn almost every week from these interviews and just... Uh, taking in what these people have to say because they're they are the people in their industries who are doing well who are successful who are considered to have like great careers and just to hear from them like person to person what it's like in their life I think is so it's so cool and that's one of the huge reasons why I love doing this yeah and you know in my psychology class we learned the terms harmonious passion and obsessive passion and the difference is in harmonious passion you truly enjoy what you're doing and you don't do it for accolades or status but because you want to learn and Paul is such a great example of this because he is such an accomplished voice actor I mean we grew up listening to him when we were watching Blue's Clues, Sesame Street and the Muppets but he mentioned that he does not want to be acknowledged as a famous voice actor. He likes other people not knowing who he is. He genuinely loves the creative process itself and how he can touch the hearts of other people through the simplicity of the human voice, which I think is outstanding. So he walks in the studio and transforms into these characters, but he walks away as the incomparable yet humble Paul Liberty. It's so amazing that someone could be so humble. And even during the interview, he was complimenting us. I know. It was crazy because he deserves Uh. to have, you know, all these compliments on his work and his legacy and his impact. But I just found it incredibly moving that he was so humble, even to the both of us. us. We're just trying college students. (laughs) (laughs) I need a poster on my wall saying, never stop learning. Ever, ever, ever. We learn every day. Signed, Paul Liberty. Yes, I think... That's the the next big quote. Yeah, that was so heartwarming. Something that I think really relates to, you know, something that I can personally take in is when he talked about how his best successes or he likes to think his best successes are in the future, that they're the next ones to come. And that made me really hopeful because I think sometimes I go through a mid, mid, midlife crisis, like as a you know as a young early life yes (laughs) early life crisis that's what I meant to say and oftentimes I'm just like 
oh, what am I going to do from now on? All my best moments were in the past, but especially now, I feel like it's important to think of them as in the future because I'll give you a different perspective and mentality for whatever you walk into next. Mm. Um, and when he was talking about, you know, the yes and, I think that also ties in really well with this because when you're accepting the opportunities that come to you and you take advantage of, you know, all the resources and ideas and amazing creativity around you you can do some incredible things and I think that's why you can have a hopeful perspective for the future if you have that correct mindset of like just moving forward and the best is yet to come I love that the best is yet to be I think those future moments can definitely be seen from our past too if that makes sense because personally I loved Sesame Street so much and I learned so much from them as a kid because they tackled on issues beyond what a kid would normally learn at that age but then now being able to talk to the person creating sesame street as a college student that just shows that the best moments are yet to come and it came through this podcast and who knows maybe in the future something amazing will happen through this podcast too you never know what's going to happen and that optimism and hopefulness from paul i think is so infectious his just demeanor it was like so refreshing like i walked away from that my heart was so full and i just hope for anyone you know listening that they would just like laugh or smile if they hear Mm. the podcast (laughs) i feel like if we've done anything like it doesn't have to be like i i quit my job and like did this because (laughs) of your podcast but it could be literally just like that was really fun to listen to yeah i would feel so satisfied me too So if you want to find out more about Paul and his work, he has mentioned before in the interview and you can go check it out there. He's so awesome. Make sure to join all of his groups and communities on Facebook. If you want to find out more about this program or listen to previous episodes, check us out on Spotify or SoundCloud at So What Do You Do or on our Instagram at SWDYD Podcast. If you want to get to know us more, follow us on Instagram at Arnell Ariana and at It's Just Joanna. Thanks so much for tuning in. (laughs) Was that good? Thank it's you so <laughs> No, I can't. Paul's the best. Thank you so much for tuning in to So What Do You Do? I'm Joanna Yamakami. And I'm Arnel Ariana. Are you sure you don't mean Kermit? Oh, thank <laughs> you for the compliment, but it was not. It was not Kermit at all. <laughs> Join us again next week for another episode. Bye, guys. <laughs>